This is Method Not Magic, the college admission and test preparation podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Sarah Newport, senior tutor at Marks Education, and I'm talking today with my colleague Ryan Blodgett about the AP U.S. government exam. Ryan is also a senior tutor at Marks Education who's been tutoring the AP government exam for the last six years. He also has a law degree from Harvard. So Ryan, let's get started. For many tests, we ask students to take a baseline test before beginning prep with us. Does this apply to the AP US government test? Thanks for the uh, intro, Sarah. Um, That's a great question. So for a lot of standardized tests, starting out with a baseline does make sense. Get a sense of where you are so that you know how much studying you might need to do, what goals are realistic, if you need to go out and buy a study book. Um, For the AP government tests, though, uh, I think it doesn't make sense to take a baseline test at the beginning, and there's a couple reasons why. The main one is that there just aren't that many practice tests for it right now. The, the AP US government exam switched formats in uh, 2019. And so it's only been offered in its current full format one time before, since the 2020 APs were the abbreviated format. Uh, so there isn't much in the way of release practice tests. And there are practice tests out there from other sources like commercial outlines, but they're, they're not, you know, nothing is quite as good as the real thing. Um, so it's best to save those really good practice materials until after you've done a critical mass of studying and really need to buckle down on the format training, you know, working on getting used to the scoring for the, uh, the essays, things like that. Um, and the other reason is that the exam focuses on a lot of very specific topics that if you haven't covered yet, you would have a lot of trouble with. It's not a kind of class, uh, like for instance, uh, maybe an AP literature where after you've done half the school year, you might already be in good shape for the AP. Okay, that's good to know. So a baseline test is not necessarily the best thing for a student to do for the AP U.S. government exam. So my next question for you then is, when should a student start studying? So this depends a lot on how one's AP U.S. government course is offered, if one even is taking a course on it. Um, AP government can be offered as a one semester or a two semester course. Uh, It has enough information that it's a little tight in one semester, but can be done and can very easily be fit into two semesters. Um, Most people should be starting studying in around February or March. Um, but if someone is maybe especially behind, they didn't pay close attention in class or they didn't feel like they were understanding the material very well and it is a year-long class, then earlier can be better, early February, maybe January. Um, If someone has taken it as a one-semester class in their fall semester, then they've already done the entire class and so don't really need to start studying until uh, probably March. Um, And on the other hand, if someone is taking it as a second semester class, then they've only gotten through a month or two of material by February, March, and so probably need to fit in their studying more intensively a little bit late. So start um, probably mid-March at that point. Those are useful guidelines then. So it seems like this is one class where it's going to be very dependent on the student and how the course is being offered in the school but a rough guideline is mid-February to, to March, depending on the particular case. I think, I think that's right. Um, and, and I also want to say it, this is one exam that students sometimes take 
by self-study, like without even taking the mm -hmm. course behind it. And if a student's doing that, then I do think it's important to start a little bit earlier, probably January, um, maybe even December. Good to know. Yeah, it, it's one of the easier AP tests. It still has uh, some harder content on it, but it's, um, it, it's definitely one of the ones that's more able for students to learn on their own. Okay, good to know. So let's say it is um, February or March and a student has decided, you know, they've started, um, they're beginning their prep. What would you say are the most useful tools for studying for the AP US government test? I think the main things are class notes, practice tests, and commercial outlines like, like AP practice books. Um, the, so the, the class notes depends heavily on how good of notes a student took in class. Um, like with most APs, I think rereading your textbook is not the most useful uh, way to spend time mm -hmm. studying. Um, but students who took good notes, those are great for going over. Um, there are not a ton of practice tests that are out there. We talked about that, but I do think it's important to take at least a couple to get really used to the format. And this is an AP that I do suggest most students pick up uh, a book to help study. I like the Crash Course mm -hmm. uh, book myself, but there's a few of them out there. Um, it's also really important that students look at the grading rubrics for the different free response questions on the exam. Um, the, uh, on those different questions, the goal for a student shouldn't be to just say as much information as they know about the course that's relevant to the question. They really should be trying to answer the specifics of what the grading rubric is looking for. Um, otherwise, they might be writing a lot of stuff that's not going to get them points and possibly omitting information that they know but don't realize is important based on how the, those questions are scored. And um, the grading rubric is available on the College Board's website, correct? If they right. if they want to make sure they really know that, as well as um, as well as past essay questions that students have written and that have been scored. I guess we really only have the 2019 test, but I imagine it would be really worthwhile students looking over the sample essay questions for that one and um, seeing how that particular, those essays were scored. Yeah, definitely. I think looking over not just example essays, but the grading notes for those essays yeah. to see how the, the AP graders looked at them, thought about them. I think that's a great way of seeing what the college board is looking for, how they think about it. And it's a lot more applied and practical than just looking at the rubric, even though I think students should look at the, the core rubric as well. Sure, sure. And I guess we should just add, if people are wondering, well, what about the 2020 test? We should just mention that that one was a, an atypical exam due to COVID. So it, it does not look like the test. The 2020 questions and the rubric for the 2020 test will not look like the rubric and the exam for 2021, just to make that clear to students as they look at the College Board's website and look at previous tests. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So um, we know, I think you mentioned earlier that there's some very specific information that students must know for the AP US government exam. And some of that includes 15 Supreme Court cases. Um, these are cases that address key concepts in the course, such as federalism or First Amendment rights. So my question then is, how much detail do students need to know about the court cases? Is it enough just for them to know the majority opinion of the case? Do they need to know all the background or just the constitutional principle? Help us out, help them figure out like, what should they know as they're reviewing these court cases? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so this is one of the biggest uh, changes in how the AP exam is set up um, now. The AP US government exam switched formats starting in 2019. That's why there are so few practice tests like we've talked about. Um, and um, since that switch happened, one of the um, free response questions, they call it the SCOTUS comparison, SCOTUS for Supreme Court of the US, um, has students using one of these 15 required Supreme Court cases and writing a short essay in which they um, do somewhat of a compare and contrast with one of those cases and then a new case that they're given in the question that they're not expected to be familiar with. Um, so I guess the, the shortest answer to the question is students need to know enough about each case is that they could write a paragraph or two, ideally two paragraphs about it mm -hmm. for one of these short answer questions. So the, um, the, con the relevant topic and the constitutional principle, the, the holding of the case, those are the most important things to know for sure. But it's definitely helpful to know at least some about the facts. Um, in that short answer question, students will likely want to talk about how the facts of the case that they know and the new case in the question are similar and how they differ. Um, it's not important to know very uh, intense specifics about this. You definitely don't need to be able to write pages about the case. Um, one resource that can be great for uh, reviewing the cases is the website OYES, um, OYES.org, mm -hmm. uh, which we can put a link to in our notes for this. Um, they have for uh, all the Supreme Court cases, um, and, and it's not just the ones for this course, but obviously students would want to focus on those 15 required cases on the list. Uh, for each case, they have a short summary of the facts, the outcome, the legal principle, and it's, it's relatively easy to read, easily digestible, um, and a great source for students to use in making their own review notes. Um, because the case names are ones that you really have to have memorized for this. Uh, this is a topic that I think making flashcards for or something like that could be very helpful. Um, nicely, though, because the case will be given, you really only have to memorize it in one direction. You have to be able to recognize if you're shown the name of the case, mm -hmm. what case that is, what the what the relevant parts are. You don't have to know, for instance, oh, if this is a free speech case, then we're talking about this case, or if it's civil rights, then we're talking about this. But that kind of understanding could be helpful because you, you do have some ability to bring in other information in some of your short responses, and it could make uh, some multiple choices, which do ask about these cases as well to some extent. Uh, it could make those easier as well. Okay, that's really helpful, I think, to figure out how, how much or to what level of detail students should know about these cases and just realizing that it's mostly the cases will be mostly tested in the essay format, but there will be some multiple choice. Um, questions mm -hmm. on the Supreme Court cases. So what about the essential documents? These are documents such as Federalist number 10 or Federalist number 51. How should students review those somewhat dense, in, in some cases, materials? Do you think they should read them all over again? And my second part to that question is, what if a student read them but really didn't understand them the first time? Any tips for how to deal with some of these um, some of these documents written perhaps in the 18th century? Right. So this is a hard part of the course. Um, so if there are nine of these essential documents um, from from some uh, several pieces of the Federalist Papers, the Constitution, Articles of Confederation, Declaration of Independence, and really just one modern one MLK's letter from a Birmingham jail. Um, the other than the MLK letter, these are all 
older, very, like you said, very difficult to read documents. I think students who can read this kind of uh, language from the 1700s and understand it without a problem the first time will are probably the kind that think this is going to be a really easy exam to study for and take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know whenever I read, read those the first time, and even when I read them now, I find them challenging to read. Um, they are, I think, not written to be easy to read by a, a general audience, especially a modern general audience. Um, so I think rereading them isn't going to be the most helpful. Um, the uh, The information in them is so dense, it's so hard to get from the text that while being able to get that information is a valuable skill to develop in general, I think it's going to be a very inefficient use of time mm. studying for the AP to try to get it from them. Uh, I think a much better source is to find uh, summaries of the documents and uh, learn the information that way or relearn the information that way. So that can come from class notes if you're in a good AP U.S. government class that went over each document in, in a good amount of detail. Uh, there are also summaries online. We have uh, we have some nice short summaries on our blog at marxeducation.com. There are also summaries in uh, commercial outlines, like I like the, the crash course book I think I mentioned earlier. Um, but but yeah, uh, let someone else do the work interpreting the documents for you if you're studying for the AP exam and don't have a huge amount of time. Good advice to try and um, find help putting some of these documents into more modern, comprehensible language. Um, okay, we um, we talked about practice tests. We said there weren't as many of them, but they can be found online. I don't anything that we need to add. I think that we covered most of that. Is there anything that we should add to that, Ryan? Well, so also on the College Board website, we, we talked about the, the example essays, the grading notes, the rubric, the practice tests. There's one other good review source there that I don't think we've mentioned, which is there are um, review videos on um, my AP classroom mm-hmm. uh, for that, that cover, I believe, the full course. Um, and they, they are a nice appropriate level of detail. So they wouldn't take a huge amount of time to watch would take a little bit of time, but that can be a good, uh, review source as well. Excellent. Um, so I'm seeing that my next question that I had written for you is what if you haven't kept up with the course and you need a lot of work, I guess this is just another opportunity for you to hit some of the points I think you've already made. Yeah, so I think if, if you are especially behind, um, the way I would start studying is using videos. Um, I think you, you would definitely want to get a commercial outline or book, read it, do practice tests, all those things we talked about. But I think first thing to do if you feel like you just didn't really get the course or maybe you're, you're studying for the exam on your own is watch a video series on it to get a, a sense of the the main topics, the inner workings. I know government bureaucracy can feel very um, opaque and complicated and hard to get into. And, you know, kind of, I, I think it's very interesting, but I understand that not everyone else does. Um, so so um, the there are some good video series. Um, let's see, there are, there are some on YouTube and the, the AP Classroom uh, videos are good. So I would start with that and then move on to reading a commercial outline, then doing practice tests. All right, that's good advice. What about um, uh, if, again, if you've, um, you're sort of getting towards the end, are there, of the studying time um, that's available to you, are there some units that are more important to study than others? So the the College Board 
splits APUS government into five different units and they're all on the exam. So you want to study all of them, but I think units one and two are the most important. Those are the ones that cover the more foundational parts. So a lot of later material builds on them. They cover more of the uh, kind of older material. So kind of founding information, um, constitution, um, Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, uh, things like that, that have a lot of detail to them and relate to a lot of the later topics. Um, and they're things that students were likely to cover earlier in the course uh, and so haven't probably looked at or thought about as much lately before the exam. Um, also, most of the, um, the fa- or, or most of the longest founding documents are from those earlier segments, uh, the Articles of Confederation, the Constitution, Declaration, Federalist 10, and Brutus 1. That's more than half of the founding documents are all from those uh, first two units. Okay, good to know. And then lastly, um, it's definitely been an unusual year for many students. Some students haven't set foot in an in a actual physical classroom um, this year. Um, how's that impacting the AP U.S. government exam for 2021? What have you found out about updates to, to this year's exam? So... Uh, as things are looking right now, the exam this year, at least the format of it, should be back to normal. Uh, no more uh, abbreviated exam like we saw in 2020. Uh, the 2021 exam is going to be offered as an in-person paper test by schools that are open and able to do that and as a digital online exam uh, for everybody else. And nicely, the College Board has had um almost a year now to work on the system for this after uh, AP's last year in May, June. And so they, they've made certain technological advancements. For instance, you no longer have to be connected to Wi-Fi continuously for the entire exam. You have to connect to get the exam and to submit it, but not in the middle. Um, so that should make it a lot easier for people that don't have the strongest internet connection to be able to take the test. Um, but it, it's the it should be the back to the usual format, same content for students taking it in paper and online. Um, so the multiple choice questions at the beginning and then four free response questions after that. Um, in terms of uh, thinking about studying for it this year, I think my, my biggest piece of advice is just make sure that your main study materials you're getting are relatively recent. Um, because the exam change formats for 2019 and beyond, if you get a commercial review book that's from an earlier year, even though much of the content will be similar, the format of the exam will be a lot different and the specifics they focus on will be different. So it'll be a lot less helpful. All right. Good advice. So we're back to the regular AP U.S. government exam, but just have to remember that that only started in 2019. So we only have a one full example exam from 2019. As you said, the 2020 exam was different. Exactly. Well, Ryan, I think that that probably wraps it up. Thank you so much for all this very helpful information. And um, to all the students out there who are listening to this podcast, best of luck in your studies and on the AP US government exam. If you have any questions for Ryan, um, for Ryan Blodgett or me, Sarah Newport, please feel free to reach out to us at Marks Education. And um, Uh, We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Sarah.
Hey everyone, this is Ryan again. I just wanted to add an update to the end here. Since we recorded this episode, the College Board has announced a couple of changes to the AP test digital format. So it's still going to be the same content tested as the in-paper format, and we're definitely not going back to the short 45-minute kind of AP test that we saw in uh, 2020. Instead, what the College Board is doing is setting it so that when working on an AP test in the online digital form this year, students are not able to move back and forth through questions, meaning as soon as you see a question, you have to answer that question before you're able to go on. Uh, if you're not sure the answer, you can put in just a guess but you're not able to come back and try that question again later. Uh, this is a, an anti-cheating measure. Uh, we believe that they're going to randomize the order of the questions in the multiple choice sections and scramble the order in other sections just to make it harder for students to share answers with each other. Um, so this won't make a big difference in how you study for the test, although it's definitely good to keep in mind that you can't really plan on having part of your strategy being skipping certain parts and coming back to them later because you won't be able to get back to the question later. Um, otherwise, no real big difference for the AP government test. It's the same questions, uh, multiple choice, then the free response questions after. The only other main difference is you get to type your answers if you're doing the digital version. There's no um, handwriting and taking a picture of it it's a, uh, this year like there was in 2020. It's just type up your answers. All right. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.